All right, well, good morning again, everybody. Glad you are with us for our fourth and final week of a series that we've been doing here at Ignite called Unleashed, uh, Releasing God's Kingdom Dream in You. We spent the last five weeks, thanks to a snow day, <laughs> the last five weeks being challenged to live our lives for God's kingdom, to, to use our time, our talents, our treasure, to use all that we are, all that God has entrusted to us to sort of advance His purposes and His good plans in our lives, in our homes, in our community, in our region, and in our world. We're being challenged to actually live this stuff out and to put it into practice in some very practical ways. A couple weeks ago, I mean, the first week of the series, we talked about unleashing God in our finances and unleashing our finances for His kingdom. And we talked about doing this by starting to tithe. Tithe means literally 10%. And we we studied a a passage in Malachi where it says, bring the first 10% to me as a way to say, uh, God, I trust you with my finances. I need you in my life. And I want your plans and your purposes and your kingdom to come first. God actually tells us in that passage, He says, to test Him on this and see is as we put him first, see, he says, see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing, you basically won't be able to handle it, right? You won't be able to handle this kind of thing. We had a bunch of people step up, uh, 30-some families, uh, and take the challenge, say, you know, I'm going to try it. For the next month, I'm going to actually put this stuff into practice. I'm going to trust God with my life, with my finances. I'm going to put him first. I'm going to bring the first 10% back to God. One of our families, in particular, I want to, I want to tell you a story because I think it illustrates the point. One family in particular uh, was, has been struggling a little bit financially. They're kind of in between jobs at the moment. And, uh, and they said, we're going we're gonna to trust God in this deal, but we're a little bit afraid. And so they've been trying to, to pick up odd jobs and whatever they can in the meantime to pay their bills and uh, talk to the person last week. And they said, you know what? I, they're like, we've done everything we can do. I think we're still going to be a few hundred bucks short uh, on, on uh, rent or mortgage or whatever. And I was like, you know, that's, as we've been talking about throughout the series, that's just church, right? That's just family. We'd love to help with that. And so uh, we kind of had made arrangements and said, uh, why don't you give me a shout on Tuesday and uh, we will get the whole thing figured out. Well, I can get a check to you and we can, we can get that kind of thing taken care of. Well, I got this text on Tuesday. I share this with permission, by the way. But I got this text on Tuesday, which I just think is awesome. Remember, we talked about and said it's, it's kind of confusing, kind of scary to, to step out and to trust God, especially financially. It's such a vulnerable thing. It's so close to our hearts. And so we had said, you know, we've kind of got a safety net, but we said it wouldn't surprise me if God just kind of steps in and provides in some supernatural ways. Well, that's exactly what happened. So I got this text on Tuesday, said, hey, I got the mail today and opened up not one, but two checks. They said our mortgage is $850. The checks were for $840. <laughs> Apparently there was some settlement that, that we didn't even know about from the past. And these two checks just showed up. They said, I didn't even know we were involved. And then they said, thanks to Ignite for being willing to help us, but we're covered for the month of February. God truly works in mysterious ways. Isn't that cool? I have to say, you, you, you hear stuff like that, and, and you know, at first you kind of think, well, maybe it's just a coincidence. But I have to tell you, I have seen coincidences like that hundreds of times, again and again and again. And we're talking about finances because it's so practical. But I have to say, in all kinds of areas in our lives, as we, as we entrust our lives to God, as we put Him first, as we choose His path, you know what happens again and again and again? We see and experience and encounter his blessing, his provision, his, his faithfulness, his goodness to us as he pours out his love on us again and again and again and again. His love surrounds us, right? It's he's so good. And I have to say, uh, I bet that's not the only story. It's a great story. I love that. And praise God. Yeah, people are starting to clap. Absolutely, right? This is, this is worthy of praise. I love that. Uh, but I have to say, I bet that's not the only story 
And if you are seeing and experiencing, you know, God's blessing or his provision or his, his uh, presence in a, in a special way throughout this series, please make sure you pass that along. It's encouraging to us. We sort of need those reminders sometimes of like, yeah, this stuff is real, isn't it, right? God really does keep his promises. Does, I mean, this stuff, this stuff works in our lives. And so if you're seeing that, make sure you pass on those stories uh, to us. I'd love to be able to share more of them. Uh, just I love the way that God works. Love the way that God does that. I love this, ran across this quote, and I thought it tied in well. Uh, it's from Spurgeon, who's probably one of the most influential writers and uh, preachers of the last 150 years or whatever. Um, people still read him and quote him and all kinds of stuff today. But anyway, he says this. He says, in all my years of service to my Lord, I've discovered a truth that's never failed and has never been compromised. That truth is that it is beyond the realm of possibilities that one has the ability to outgive God. Even if I give the whole of my worth to him, he'll find a way to give back to me much more than I gave. Isn't that great? I love that. And so many of us have experienced or at least have tasted that and are tasting it more and more and more as we're walking through uh, this series together. So way to go. Uh, proud of you guys and love hearing and seeing what God's doing. So we started out the series there and then, and then we said, you know, we're going to actually transition quickly from talking about using our finances and our resources for God's kingdom and his purposes to, to, to talking about what kinds of kingdom dreams has he used and, and what kind of talents has he given you, what kind of eyes, what opportunities has he put around you that he has specifically put you there to live for and to make a difference in people's lives and, and to make a difference for God's kingdom there, like at work or in your neighborhood or your extended family or whatever, because we, we really believe that God wants to use you in incredible jaw-dropping kind of ways. And the same thing, the same way we do with our finances, would we step out in faith and we entrust ourselves to him and say, you know what? I see this. I'm going to serve that person. I'm going to love that person. I'm going to point that person to Jesus. I'm going to fill their, this, this person that's struggling. I'm going to fill their fridge up with groceries. I'm going to, whatever it is that God's putting, when we live that stuff out, we see God show up in tremendous ways. We see his power and his presence. Oh man, it's like the best, it's like the good stuff of life. And so the two weeks ago, then we talked about living for God's kingdom that way. And we, we, we talked about praying and looking for opportunities to see his kingdom come and his will be done in our world as it is in heaven. We said that any time that we put his will into practice in our lives, we are living in and we are living for his kingdom. Last week, we talked about learning and discerning what God's specific dream is for me and for you. And I hope that as we've gone throughout the week, you've been praying about and opening your eyes and looking for opportunities uh, to see what God might be prompting or nudging you to do. Hopefully, you've come with this uh, with this underground ministry dream form, we, we, we said we call it the underground because it stands for the underground church, which is us, right? We're the underground church. The underground church is everywhere, right? It's all around the city. It's all around the region. It's all around the world. Even in places where it's illegal to be a Christian, where there can't be churches like ours that, and places where you can gather publicly, the church is still spreading. They're still doing ministry. The gospel is still moving forward. It's unstoppable, right? The church is everywhere. So we've said, 
part of that, part of living that out is God is giving you specific ministry opportunities wherever you are. And so learning to open our eyes, to recognize the stirring sometimes that he's put in our heart. We we talked about those Popeye kind of moments, right? That's all I can stands. I can't stands no more, right? What is it that God's broken your heart over that he wants to, he's doing, he's showing you on purpose so that you can move into that sphere, into that relationship, into that part of your world and make a difference for Christ and for his kingdom. It's the good stuff. It's the good stuff. So hopefully you've been praying about that and looking. We had somebody last week that came up to me and said, sorry, but I could hardly pay attention to your message, which, I mean, I get that a fair amount, but, but no, I'm kidding. But, but they said, I could hardly, because they're like, I think God was just speaking to me. Like they said, I, I, they, so many different ministry ideas. They, they said, I filled out not just one form, but two, right? I, like I have all these ideas that I feel like God's given me. And I, I can't wait to see what he's going to do with that. So I hope you've been engaged in that process as well. I can't wait to see what God's going to do as we fund and sort of send you out to live out these kingdom dreams uh, in the world around you. This week, I want to wrap up the series with sort of a challenge and hopefully some inspiration to not just stop with a good idea, but to actually live this stuff out, to put it into practice, right? To take the good idea and to have the courage to say, okay, I'm I'm going to step out. I don't know where this is going. I'm not sure I feel qualified or equipped always, but I'm going to trust God and I'm going to step into that realm and I'm going to take a risk to to minister to you, to love and to point other people back to Jesus. And so uh, that's hopefully where we're going today. We're going to learn about this from an Old Testament passage, sort of an obscure passage that uh, oftentimes doesn't get a lot of press or get talked about a lot of times. It's from 2 Kings. I preached on it once here four years ago, but I'm taking kind of a different direction. I think it's the perfect sort of illustration for what we're going to talk about today. So I want to, we're just going to kind of walk through it. I'm going to talk about it a little bit at a time. It starts in 2 Kings 6 starting with verse 24, and that's like entirely backwards. <laughs> Crazy. It's supposed to be Second Kings is supposed to be bolded. The rest of it's not supposed to be. So I don't know. Go with that. But Second, Second Kings uh, 6, 24 through 25 says this. Sometime later, Ben-Hadad, king of Aram, mobilized his entire army and marched up and laid siege to Samaria. There was a great famine in the city, and the siege lasted so long that a donkey's head sold for 80 shekels of silver and a quarter of a cab of seed pods for five shekels. Oh, man, that's deep, don't you think? Let's just sit there and ponder that for a moment. Right? You're like, what in the world are they talking about? What is this whole thing about? Well, here, here's the deal. The point of this is that as they sort of uh, marched up and laid siege to Samaria, there were no supplies that went in and out, and so the, a famine broke out, and food was hard to come by. That's basically what they're saying. Food, the, the price of any food there was got super hyperinflated, like, so it cost a fortune, and even if you had money, it was hard to come by. I remember I lived in St. Petersburg, Russia, uh, kind of towards the end of my college uh, experience for a year and a half or something like that. And uh, I remember learning that during World War II in St. Petersburg, uh, the Nazi troops came and blockaded the city for two years. They surrounded it, cut off supply lines, so no food, no supplies, no anything was getting in or out of the city for two years. Can you imagine? Food, supplies dwindled and dwindled and dwindled. People started starving to death. I mean, it was, it was a bad deal. In fact, there's a museum in St. Petersburg that they, where they've preserved what the bread ration was for a, an adult for one day. It was a little cube of, uh, of bread about the size. In fact, I got a picture uh, of a person in that day. Theirs is actually a little bigger than what's in the thing, but it's a little cube, maybe a little bit bigger than what we take for communion. 
That's what, what an average adult had to live on for the day. That was the bread that they had. You can see he's holding a little piece in his hand. That's the bread. People were dying, right? That's sort of what's happening here in this story. The king of Aram surrounded the city. They've cut off all the supplies, and people were starving to death. There was nothing to eat. And what there was was super expensive. It had gotten so bad, in fact, that cannibalism had broken out in the camp, in the city. I mean, can you imagine? Horrible kind of acts in hopeless situation. People were doing anything they could to try and survive. Let's pick up the story in verse 3. Chapter 7 says this. Now, there were four men with leprosy at the entrance of the city gate. They said to each other, why stay here until we die? If we say, we'll go into the city, the famine is there and we'll die. And if we stay here at the city gates, we'll die. So let's go over to the camp of the Arameans, the the enemy, and surrender. If they spare us, we'll live. And if they kill us, then we shall but die, right? Then what's the worst that could happen? The the worst that could happen, they're saying, is we go over there and they kill us. We're going to die anyway, so let's risk it. Let's take a chance. At dusk, it says, they got up, they went to the camp of the Arameans, and when they reached the edge of the camp, no one was there. For the Lord had caused the Arameans to hear the sound of chariots and horses and a great army. So they said to one another, look, the king of Israel has hired the Hittite and the Egyptian kings to attack us. And so they got up and they fled in the dusk and they abandoned their tents and their horses and their donkeys. They left the camp as it was and they ran for their lives. The men who had leprosy, these four lepers, reached the edge of the camp. They enter one of the tents, and there's food and drink. So they eat and they drink and all that kind of stuff. It's good stuff. Then they took silver, they took gold, they took clothes, and they went off and they hid them just in case they came back. Then they returned and they entered another tent and took some things from there and they hid them also. Let's just stop right there. Let me just, it's it's an interesting scene. Because if you think about it, back in the city, there was a king, there was an army, right? There were, there were people that should be in power, people that should be out there fighting for the survival of their people. There were people that should have taken responsibility. But where were they? They were inside the city walls. They were hiding in fear. Some were inside the city, but then, then you've got these four people that end up being the... Uh, sort of the heroes of the story, if you will. And these four people, they're lepers. What, what do you know about lepers in that day and age? They were considered un- those people. Stay away. They were people considered, we're going to get what you have. And so they made them they're outside the city gates is because they're not welcome in the city, right? They were, they were those people. Stay away. They were, people were afraid. That we're going to get what you have. And so they made them stay at a distance. They couldn't be close to people. They had to go around yelling unclean if anybody came near them. Four people that are the least likely to be the the rescuers, the heroes of the story, they end up being the heroes not because they were stronger or better or smarter, but because they were willing to take a risk, because they they could see clearly the situation, and they're like, hey, maybe God will spare us. Maybe God will do something. Why not step out and take a chance and see what God does? I love, I love their attitude. I love uh, what happens. So they step out, you know, they, they, they take this risk. They sort of step across these lines. They go over to the tents and they find that God has already won the battle, which we'll come back to that, which that's awesome. But, but 
God's already won the battle. The people are gone. These tents are empty. There's food and drink and animals and treasure just strewn about, just sitting there in the tents. It's like a rapture happened or something, right? There's, everybody's gone, and there's tents and everything in it is just as it was. So these, these lepers sneak in. They're like, where is everybody? I don't know. So they, they sneak into a tent, right? They kind of open it up. And, of course, starving people, when they see food, when they see drink, of course, they stop and they just eat. They start stuffing themselves. And they're like, oh, food. This never tasted so good. I remember when I was in Russia, by the way, we lived, me and my roommates, it took forever to get food. It was kind of hard to come by when we, were, when we were there. And so there was one season of a couple months where we literally lived on like, I don't know, I think it was a, a 10 kilogram box of crackers, which is like, what, 25 pounds of crackers? I mean, I don't know. It was, it was some insane amount of crackers. We lived on crackers and cheese for like a couple months. I can remember we got home after that, and one of the families took us out for steak. <laughs> and I have to, we're like, oh, man, we, we ate every bit. We're like, oh, that's like the best steak I ever had. We're like, oh, this is awesome, right? This is incredible. Now, I don't know. It might, might have been a mediocre steak, but we hadn't been eating much, and so to us, it tasted awesome. I bet this is the best plunder ever, right? These lepers going they start stuffing themselves, they start eating, they start, and then they're like, man, there's stuff, we, even if we had to buy food in the future, there's gold and silver and clothes, so they take all this stuff, maybe bundle it up, carry it off, maybe hide it in the woods or who knows, dig a hole and hide it outside of the camp, and they're like, look around, there's still nobody there, so they go back and do it again, right? There's, and they start doing this again and again, they're going from tent to tent to tent, and all of a sudden, they're like, oh my gosh, this is awesome. Uh, let, me, let me just pause before we get to the rest of the story. And their first inclination makes sense to us. Their first inclination, it makes sense. I mean, they, 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 they feast, right? They, they take it for themselves. They enjoy it. And they start, I can imagine, they probably start celebrating at some point, dancing around, start putting on, you know, maybe jewelry or armor or grabbing swords or who knows what. But they start, they start doing this. They're like, this is amazing, right? It's like everything we could have hoped for. This is better than I could have even imagined. And it's good, of course, to enjoy that, for them to feast. If I can just stop for a second, though, and just say, man, but all the while they're doing this, people are eating each other back in camp. Right? People are starving to death back in the city. And I, I, I just wonder if, and we'll get there in a second, but I just wonder if maybe there's a parallel here between what's happening in the story and maybe what happens in the church in America. I mean, I think the reality is that you and I, if we, if we are Christ followers, if we have opened up our heart and our life to Jesus, the reality is that there is abundance that's been provided for us. There is a life that's been given. There's forgiveness from our past. God offers to make us new. He offers to move into our lives, to fill us with his spirit and his power, power to live with him. He, he assures us that we are headed for an eternity with him where, where it's going to be better than we can imagine, right, forever. He comes and brings life and joy and peace and all kinds of stuff. It's a, it's a life that is infinitely better than anything we've ever experienced before. And, and it's so easy for us as believers to enjoy that. And we come on Sundays and we can worship at the top of our lungs and we can enjoy the presence of God and it's good. But I'll tell you what, if at some point as we're enjoying the, the feast, the stockpile of abundance that God has given for us, if at some point we don't stop 
and our eyes don't turn outward and think, you know what, there is a whole city, there's a whole state, there's a whole country of people out there that are starving for Christ. They're starving to know his love. They're starving to find the freedom that can only come from Jesus. If at some point we don't do that, what we're, not, what we're doing is not right. Because the stockpile of abundance and his grace and his love and his freedom and forgiveness, the life that he has for us, it is for you, but it's not only for you, right? It's, it's given to us to go and let the world know. I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself, but that's kind of okay. <laughs> we'll just kind of go with that. I'll tell you what, friends. Uh, statistically, according to George Barna, only 1.8% of the church in America, so less than 2%, has ever told somebody else about Christ, has ever pointed, pointed somebody else back to Jesus and said, man, there's, there's hope there and there's life there. Man, there's good stuff in store if you would just turn your heart and your life over to Jesus. And I just, I just wonder sometimes if that just doesn't break the heart of God. And maybe it's that we're afraid to go out to follow him on that adventure. Maybe it's that we're too consumed with all the good things that God has for us that we're just focused on me and Jesus and just feasting on what he has for us. And like I said, a good thing. But there's got to be more. Our eyes have got to turn towards others as well. Christ designed his church to be a missionary force. He designed us not just to, pl- not, not to play it safe, but to go and to help those around us find life in Christ's kingdom. Let's rewind just for a moment. Uh, these lepers start out on the right track, right? They start out kind of on a mission. I love their go-for-broke attitude where they're like, what's the worst that could happen, right? We could die. They're like, well, if we stay here, we'll die. If we go in the city, we'll die. If we go over there, maybe we'll die, but maybe we'll live. And so they take a risk. They're like, you know what? Let's go for it. Let's see what will happen. Let's take a chance. We cannot just stand here and do nothing. We've got to try something. And so they go. And I have to say, this kind of go-for-broke attitude, it's, we see it throughout the entire Bible in all the biblical heroes. When, when, you, when you read about David, the boy before the giant Goliath, he's got that go-for-broke attitude. Like, let's step out and trust God and see what happens. When you, when you read about Nehemiah or Esther, who risk their lives to go before a king and save their people, you see that go-for-broke attitude. I can't just sit here and do nothing. Let's, let's step out. Let's take a risk and see what God does. You read it in the New Testament with the Apostle Paul. When he says this, he says, I'm willing not only to be bound, but also to die so that others can hear and respond to the gospel. I'm all in. Let's take a risk. Let's step out. Who cares about the consequences? I'm all in, he's saying, God. And certainly we see it in our Savior, in Jesus, right? The one who uh, is willing to give up his life to save his people. But these lepers, they start out with that kind of go-for-broke attitude. They start out on mission. They start out on the right track. But they eventually get distracted. And I wonder if that happens to us sometimes too. You ever get distracted from the mission or from the kingdom dreams or from the great commission, the sending out that God has given to you? The mission to go and make other disciples. The, The mission to go and point others to Jesus. The mission to go and be witnesses for him. Ever miss out on opportunities to help other people come into the kingdom of God? To serve or to give or to pray for or to love on those that are in desperate need of help and God's salvation? I think all of us do. 
I think all of us do. Listen to this. Though. I love, uh, this is the hand of God at work here. Listen to this. Verse, verse uh, 9 through 11 says this. As they're feasting, as they're plundering, as they're carrying away and hiding treasure, it says this. It says, then they said to each other, wait a minute. What we're doing is not right. This is to be a day of good news, and we're keeping it to ourselves. If we wait until daylight, punishment will overtake us. Let's go. What does that say, by the way? Let's go at once and report this to the royal palace. Let's go back to the city and let people know that salvation is available, that there's food for those that are hungry, for those that will come out and just take it. There's, a, there's better life. You don't have to die over here in the city, but there's life just sitting there. They said, we've got to tell them at once. We've got to go at once and let people know this is such a God moment. Although these guys get off track, although they get distracted and just get focused on them and God and the abundance that he's provided, at some point they say, wait a minute, wait a minute, what are we doing? There's people back in the camp dying, starving to death, and today is to be a day of good news for everyone, not just us. We've got to go and tell them at once. Every significant move of God throughout history began with a moment like this, including the early church, right? The, uh, I, this is one of my favorites in Acts chapter 1. After Jesus um, uh, is risen from the dead, he appears to his followers, he ministers to them for a while, and then there's this point where they call it the ascension, right? Where Jesus is taken up from his followers before their eyes. He goes up, cloud hides him, you know, in, to heaven or whatever. It goes up, the cloud hides him, and the, the disciples are sitting there, I mean, they're, like with their jaws on the ground. I mean, you can imagine, right? Just like, what is going on? They're sitting there staring up into the sky, and God sends an angel and says this to, the, to his followers. He says, men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? <laughs> the same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way that you have seen him go into heaven. There's this moment where they're like, wait a minute, why are we standing here? Why are we staring off to space? There are people dying out there without Christ. Don't just stand there. Go and tell them. Go and let them know. We've got to reach them. There's not a moment to lose. I bet almost every one of us in this room, if we've found a relationship with God through Christ, if we have come into his kingdom, I bet almost every one of us that's here is here because somebody had this kind of moment, right? Where they're like, I can't just stand around and do nothing. There's people around me that need to know Christ. I got to do something. I got I to step out. I got to take a risk. I got to take a chance. I've shared with you before, there was, there was one girl primarily, her name is Jenny Morse, Jenny, uh, that, that, that did that for me and a bunch of guys on my freshman uh, floor of freshman guys in uh, a dorm in a college in, in the middle of Iowa. And, and uh, she had a moment where she's like, you know, I, I can't just stand by and do nothing. I care too much about these guys to, to see them dying and to floundering in their lives and their walk with Christ and everything else. And so she told us about a God that loved us a God that died to save us so that we could know life. And my life and my eternity is completely changed as a result. And I bet there's people that have been there for you. I mean, in fact, this church is here for a similar kind of reason. We, were, we had started a church up in Wisconsin. We were there for 14 years. We were doing great. It was awesome. <laughs> like, things were going really well. We had a ton of friends. It was at a point where it was running pretty smoothly. The church was growing significantly. People were coming to know Jesus. I could have stayed there forever, but God started tapping me on the shoulder and started saying, you can't just stand there. 
There's, there's hundreds of thousands, there's millions of people around you that need to know Christ. Other people can pastor this church, but you need to go and tell them. It's part of why we as a church continue to, to multiply, continue to start other churches. Because according to the stats, there's 260,000 people in the Peoria metro area alone that aren't in any Christian church this weekend. Not in any Christian. They're, they're disconnected from the church and likely they're disconnected from Christ. And you know what? Somebody needs to go and tell them there's life and there's hope. There's good news available for them today. It's why we're saying it'd be easier for us just to keep growing bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. But it's why we said, you know, we're going to start a sunny land two years in. We're gonna, and it's why we right now are going through the process and looking for a church planner for Bartonville. You can be praying for that, by the way. We're, we're down to our top six candidates, but we're going to start another church over there. Why? Because there's people there that desperately need to know there's food and there's life available to them through Christ. And we've got to do something. We've got to take some risks. We've got to follow God on this adventure. We've got to live out the mission of God to the world around us. We can't just stand still and stare up into the sky. Well, the conclusion of the story is incredibly understated, but let's read it. It's verse 16. It says this, Then the people went out. They plundered the camp of Arameans, so that a sea of the finest flour sold for a shekel and two seas of barley sold for a shekel, just as the Lord had said. Now, again, you scratch your head, and you're like, what does that even mean? Uh, and, and the point of it is, this, you know, in short, the people were saved. <laughs> There was food, once again, for regular prices, right? The ordinary people, can, the, the people went out, they ate, they avoided starvation, they plundered, and there was food freely available once again. Life was once again available to the people. Let me share just a couple thoughts on this, and then we're going to wrap up. First one is this. We're sort of, uh, as we think about this story, the, f- the first kind of thing is that we're kind of like the four lepers in the story. That's, that's kind of the analogy we're making. Uh, we are not necessarily the, the, uh, the kings or the, the knights or the army that, that maybe is, is the most qualified in the city, but we are some, something like the lepers, right? We're just ordinary, regular people. And God has called us to step out. And I guess I'll say this too. We kind of live in between two kingdoms. We talked about this last week, right? There's a, a city over here, which is maybe referred to as like the kingdom of this world. It's what we can see. It's what we can know. It's where pretty much it's where my plans and my will prevails. And then there's this thing that God calls us to step out from that into his kingdom, into, into his realm and his sphere, so to speak, where his will is done. And it's scary sometimes. He asks us to step out beyond what we can see, beyond what we can always know. But I'll tell you what, God is at work over there. He's at work in that kingdom. And as it, it, the crazy part about this is these four lepers, nobody knows. God's already saved the day, but nobody knows it yet. And it's not until these four lepers step out and we're like, okay, we're going to go. We're going to. It's not until they step out and walk over here that they discover that God has already brought salvation to the people. There's, there is food for everybody, but they, nobody knew it, right? Nobody knew it yet. It wasn't until somebody stepped out and took a risk that they discovered what God had already done. 
and, and they could enjoy it for themselves. And then he calls them to go back over to the kingdom of this world and to share it with as many people as they could so they could save lives, so that they could bring people from that kingdom into a kingdom where they can feast, where there's more than enough for everybody. And we're like the four leopard. We live in between these sort, of, these sort of two kingdoms, these two worlds. And God consistently calls us. He puts kingdom dreams in our hearts. He starts stirring us. He starts opening our eyes. He gives us some of these aha kind of moments. We're like, well, we got to do something. And he says, yeah, you should do something. He starts tapping. He says, why don't you help that person? Why don't you share with that person? Why don't you serve that person? Why don't you love on those people? Why don't you do whatever you can possibly do to let them know there's life and there's hope available. There's, no, I mean, good stuff, forgiveness, freedom, all this stuff available in my kingdom if they'll just come in and live there. That is, if you are a Christ follower, that is the calling of God on your life. He wants to use you, even you, right? He wants to use you where you are with the the people that, that live around you. He wants to use you to bring his kingdom to come and his will to be done in those relationships. He wants to use you to help bring people into the kingdom. He wants to use you to let people know there's food and there's life available, I always joke uh, with this kind of stuff and say, now at that point, when people are starving to death, do you suppose they need a a highly trained pastor to get up in front and explain to them the Greek and you know, Hebrew words for food and how to find it? Do they need some highly trained, you know, ninja dude to be able to exposit that for them? Or do they do they just need an ordinary person that says, there's food, right? There's, there's food there. There's life. I went over there. I discovered all the enemies are gone. I ate and I had, there's plenty for everybody. See what I'm saying? doesn't need a pastor. They don't need some profound, you know, scholarly. Pro- it, anybody can do this just to say, you know what? I was starving and I found food there and you can too. Somebody say, we're just beggars showing other beggars where to find bread. That's the, that's the nutshell of Christianity. That's, that's what we're called to. That's the life that you and I are called to live. It's very similar to what Jesus says in John 20 when he's talking to his followers. He's talking to his disciples and he says this. He says, peace be with you, he says as he appears to his followers after his resurrection. Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, he said, so I am sending. And then he breathed on them. He said, receive the Holy Spirit. He said, I'm going I'm to empower you with my spirit. I will be with you always. I will give you everything you need for life, for godliness, for ministry. I will give you everything you need. And now I am sending you out. So go and live out the mission that I've put, given to you. Live, go and let people know there's food available. Go and love on each, you know, the people that are around you. Share with them. Listen and I'll direct you and guide you. I'll tap you on the shoulder. I'll show you how to live this thing out. I'll empower you. I'll change the world through you. If you'll go, if you'll do it, if you'll live this stuff out. God's already saved the day. He's already run off the enemy. He's rescued the people. And all that's needed is somebody just to tell those around us, to point them towards life and hope and on and on. Here's where we're going with this. God has put kingdom dreams in your heart, friends. He's given you opportunities and talents and skills and relationships that nobody else has. I want you to hear this because there are people in your sphere. There are friends and family members. There are people next to you at work that will never in their life step foot into this church. 
They wouldn't, if you paid them a million dollars, they wouldn't come. But you know what? He, God has put you in their path. And he has given you opportunities and skills and talents and abilities and rapport and relationship. And he has called you to impact them. You'll have opportunities to point him to Jesus, to share about the transforming work that God has done in your heart and your life and your marriage and your on and on and on, right, whatever. He'll give you opportunities that I will never have. His design, his desire has always been an underground church, right, that can infiltrate every part of our world. And he sends you out on mission. He says, as the Father has sent me, now I'm sending you, so go and be my witnesses. Go and minister, right? Go point people back home to the Father, to food, to life. How are you doing on this one? Are you living this kind of stuff out these days? Are you putting these kinds of things into practice? The whole point of this series has been for us to start to recognize, to open our eyes and recognize, you know what? God has put his dreams in us. He's constantly whispering. He's leading. He's guiding. He wants to use you to impact his world. So would you step out and do it? I totally have no idea where I'm at with my notes, but I put a couple of different... Uh, um, quotes up there? Yeah. So uh, these are quotes. I, I collect quotes in my journal. <laughs> so these are quotes that I got right out of my journal. I love these. This is from Lawrence of Arabia, T.E. Lawrence. He says this, all men dream, but not equally. Those who dream by night in the dusty recesses of their minds wake in the day to find that it was vanity. It was nothing. But the dreamers of the day are dangerous men, for they may act their dreams with open eyes and make it possible. Isn't that great? Love that. One more. Listen to this. This is William Carey. He's the father of modern missions. Uh, says this, expect great things from God. Attempt great things for God. What if God has already breathed his spirit in you if you put your trust in Christ? What if he's already empowered you? What if he's gifted you and given you everything you need to live for him on mission? What if even right now, there are kingdom dreams that he's put on your hearts and your minds. What if there's people around you that are desperately in need of help, of somebody to serve them and love them and minister to them and point them to Jesus? And what if that somebody is you? What if all it would take to see lives transformed, to see our community impacted for the gospel and for God's kingdom, what if all it takes is for you to recognize that dream and step out and put it into practice. Could be as simple as loving on somebody, encouraging somebody, putting a hand on them and praying for them when they're struggling. Could be as simple as inviting them over to your house, having a meal together, building a bridge, building some relationship. Could be as simple as saying a word, sharing some of, what, some of your stories, some of what God's done in your life and saying, you know what? There's life that's available there if you'll come. Friends, you're not here on accident. You're not in these spheres on accident. God has good plans for you. Would you do something? Would you step out for God's kingdom? Would you follow his promptings? When, you, when your eyes see that something isn't right, would you step out and live in and live for God's kingdom? Would you, would you do, live out his will with his power and follow him into the unknown? All right, I'm going to do this, and then I got one story, and then I'll be done. Okay. Um, so as you guys know, we've been talking about uh, for, for the last four weeks, right? We've been talking about 
putting God first in our finances. That was sort of the, the first part. And we said we're going to take 50% of the money that comes in this month, and, and we're going to use it for just everyday expenses for the church. But the rest of it, we're going to take 25%. We're going to use it for underground the underground, like for kingdom dreams and to realizing those. And then we're going to take 25% and put it in uh, kind of a, a safety net kind of fund that if, if you try it, you get to the end of the month and you're like, you know what? I can't afford to pay my bills. We'd be happy to come alongside and help. And then when, when that's done, we're going to take the rest of that and put it too into this, the underground kind of to, to, to fund ministry dreams. And, and I do have to say, I think it would be a tragedy, a travesty for us to sit here and be like, good message, pastor, and just sort of let the pitch go by and not take a swing at it. it I really want each one of us to take this form. It should have been on your seat when you came in. I want you to be praying about and thinking about what's the kingdom dream that God has put in my heart and in my life? Who is there around me that I could reach, that I could love on, that I could encourage? Fill it out on this form. We'd love to come alongside you and fund that, and empower you, and equip you, and send you out on mission to live these things out. It could be all kinds of things, right? Maybe there's, maybe there's a, a, a guy, or a woman, or two, or three at, at work, and you're like, you know what? I'd like to do, I feel like maybe God's tapping me and saying, you know what? Maybe we should do a Bible study over lunch, or with these people in the evening, or I don't know, whatever. Maybe there's something there, and God's, say, God's saying, I'm going to send you to them to sort of point them back home. You know, we'd love to help you with that. We'd love to equip you. Maybe there's a friend that's just going through a hard time, and like I said earlier, they just can't afford to buy groceries right now, and you're like, maybe there's stuff going on or whatever. Maybe God's going to prompt you and just say, why don't you go over and let them know, like, and bring a bunch of groceries, fill up their, their fridge with groceries, and just let them know, hey, this is from the Lord. Like, our church is doing this, <laughs> this wacko kind of thing, and I just kind of felt like God tapped me on the shoulder and said that I should come and serve and help you. That'd be powerful for somebody just to know that you cared, that God tapped you and sent you to them. That's meaning you can't even understand how significant. Maybe there's somebody that's that's going through a rough time or whatever, and He's just going to tap you to to reach out to them or to love on them. Maybe it costs nothing. Who knows? We, we shared a, a few weeks ago um, Molly's dream, right? We talked about maybe God's going to give you a vision like Molly or like Bailey for something bigger where Molly wants to use her uh, stylist uh, kind of skills and talents and she wants to, to have a ministry to, to homeless people and people that are on the lower income side of things and she wants to serve them by cutting their hair and, and ministering to them, praying for them and loving on them. Maybe it's something significant like that. Maybe it's just a person that God's going to put on your heart. But whatever it is, I thought it was cool. We had, we had one of our youth last week come up to me and they had a vision, a dream about what they thought maybe God would like to do for homeless people in our city. I love that. Don't you love that? I love, I love that people are starting to dream, starting to picture themselves in God's unfolding drama in our culture and saying, what, God, what might God have for me? I'm just a poor leper, but God can do amazing things. And I'll follow him. Right, I'll go if he calls me to go. So would you, would you today, if you're ready, take this, fill it out. If you're not sure, take it with you, but bring it back. I want you to be praying and looking for the opportunities that God's putting for you. We're gonna meet with people next week on these in, in the future as well, but next week, and we're gonna try and fund and release as many of you as possible to be the underground church in the, uh, the city around us. I'll close with this story, uh, and then we'll be done. But it says this, uh, it's from Rick Warren, 
He's the author of the purpose-driven uh, church and our life and church and all that kind of stuff. He, talks, he tells a story about his dad who was in ministry for like 50 years, but one of his passions was to go to, to developing uh, cultures and nations and actually physically help build church buildings for people. He'd built over 150 of them in his lifetime. He had a passion for that kind of thing. And, and um, in 1999, his dad died of cancer in the final week of his life, uh, the disease kept him awake in sort of a semi-conscious state nearly 24 hours a day. And as he dreamed, he'd talk out loud about what he was dreaming. He says this, he says, sitting by his bedside, I learned a ton about my dad just from listening to his dreams. He relived one church building project after another. And one night near the end, while my wife and my niece and I were by his bedside, Dad suddenly became very active and agitated. He tried to get out of bed again and again. Of course, he was too weak, and so we insisted he lay back down. But he persisted in trying to get out of bed again and again. And so finally, my wife said, Jimmy, what are you trying to do? And he replied, just one more, one more. Got to save one more for Jesus, he said. Got to reach one more for Jesus. He began saying that phrase over and over and over, probably a hundred times in the next hour. Just one more, one more for Jesus, he said. Rick says, as I sat by his bed, there were tears just flowing down my cheeks. I bowed my head and gave thanks to God for my dad's faith. And at that moment, my dad reached out. He placed his frail hand on my head as if commissioning me and said, save one more for Jesus. Would you reach one more for Jesus? And he said, you know what? Rick Warren penned this afterwards. He said, you know what? I want to live the rest of my life to live out that call. If there's one more around me, I want to, re- I want to share with them that there's food, that there's life, that there's hope. And you know what? I do too. How about you? God has called us on the most significant, the most purposeful mission there is on our planet. Helping to reconcile people that are living and struggling oftentimes right, in a world that, that treats people like crap sometimes, right? And he's, he's given us the opportunity to help them come back into relationship with God and to live in his kingdom, something that is better by far. He's given us the opportunity to point people to the riches and the life in Christ that's available to all, and he wants to do that through you. And I don't know about you, but I'm I'm all in. I want to, why don't we stand? In fact, we're going to pray here in a second. If you are willing, if if you're stirred and you're like, you know, I want my life to be like, I want to save one more. I want to reach one more. I want to go where God sends me. I want to do what he's, I'm just going to encourage you, if you're willing, would you open your hands like this just as a way to say, God, I surrender, I'm in, I need you. Would you just open up your hands, close your eyes, and let's pray together. God, that is our cry this morning. Lord, forgive us for maybe too often being apathetic or so, uh, maybe even just so obsessed with the abundance that you've provided for us, the life that you've given to us, that we ignore those around us. And instead today, God, we just want to step out and follow the path of your kingdom. Would you call us today to step outside of, of our city and our own kingdoms and to step into yours? Would you open our eyes to see, to see and know the abundance that you have provided and also those around us that desperately need help, that desperately need to experience the life that you offer, you and your kingdom provide. And God, would you send us out today on mission? Would you commission us today 
Would you open our eyes to see what it is that you're calling us to? Would you impassion and just give us courage to follow these dreams up and to do it? To put these things into practice. And God, as we follow you, as we, as we step out to love on people and serve people and give to people and encourage people and point them back to you, would you, would you empower us by your spirit? But, and then God, would you just draw people into your kingdom? We pray that lives and eternities would be transformed. We pray that, that your, your church uh, would, would be lifted up and sent out on mission, that uh, this whole area would be transformed, God, as we live for you and with you and on mission with you. Just have your way, God. Use us. Use the kingdom dreams that you've put inside of us for your glory, for your purposes, for your good and perfect plans. We we just pray together, may your kingdom come and your will be done in me and in us down here, God, the way it is done perfectly in heaven. We need you. We offer ourselves to your service today. We just pray, come and have your way in Jesus' name. Amen.